Welcome to Convention Pulpit, Wesleyan Voices, Past and Present, brought to you through the Ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention. Visit our website for an entire library of great sermons and more information on this ministry, www.ihconvention.com. Rodney Loper is president of God's Bible School and College in Cincinnati, Ohio. This sermon was preached in 2011 at the Interchurch Holiness Convention in Dayton, Ohio. It's the keynote address, and I know you're going to enjoy this wonderful sermon. Keep passing it on and on, keep passing it on, keep passing it on, keep passing it on and on. It is good to see my family right down the center. It's good to see some familiar faces here this afternoon. It is good to be in Dayton. I grew up in a small city just east of here. And so really, I, I almost feel at home. Well, well, maybe not right now. I guess if you could turn the thermostat up to 85 degrees and give us a nice humid ocean breeze and uh, throw in a dash of salt in the air and then it'd feel like home. And some of you know what I'm talking about. And if not, come visit us sometime down there uh, and you'll experience the kind of weather you're experiencing today without the rain and overcast skies most of the winter down in Hope Sound. And we'd welcome you to come and join us there. I've been thinking about this service for a while now and and uh, I've decided, I've decided that there are at least four reasons why I'm glad that I was asked to speak in this time slot. And not glad that I was asked to speak, but asked to speak, and if I had to speak, it would be here. The first reason is that the, the crowd is still gathering in. I see a lot of empty seats. That's just fine for me. And uh, so that's one of the reasons I'm happy it's this service. The second reason is that the ground has not been plowed by another preacher. It's wide open, and I don't have to worry about stealing an outline. I don't have to worry about repeating a phrase. I can say what I need to say, and uh, you have to worry about it, Brother Travis. And uh, it's good to be here because of that. the third reason is I can enjoy the rest of convention. <laughs> Yes, I can forget this, and, uh, and I can go on, and I can see you, talk to you, and, and greet you, and enjoy the rest of the convention and the good preaching I'm sure we'll hear. And the last reason is this. The last reason I'm glad that I'm preaching in this time slot, and that is after listening to the other preachers over the next couple of days, you'll forget all about me. You will. And you won't remember this service at all. If you have your Bibles, please turn in them to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, want to begin looking at verse number 5. 
Philippians chapter 2. Let's stand together as we look at God's word. Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. It truly is a lamp. It truly is a light. And now we ask that you would guide our thoughts and our minds. And we ask, Lord Jesus, that you would open our hearts to what you have for us in this service today. And we will thank you and praise you for what you do. In Christ's name we pray these things. Amen. You may be seated. He was born 20 centuries ago to an impoverished couple in an obscure village. A few hundred people ever met him personally, although thousands heard him speak from time to time. He traveled, he never traveled outside his region. He didn't write a book. He didn't lead an army. He didn't govern a nation. He didn't even have a home. The Romans didn't consider him significant enough to even record their execution of him in their records. What are the odds? Over 2,000 years later, that name has inspired the founding of more universities, hospitals, and cities. The creation of more art, the writing of more songs have moved people to sacrifice their finances, their possessions, their careers cause people to travel halfway around the world to sacrifice their lives than any other name in human history. And that movement started small, but that movement is still growing today. It is still marching forth today. And who is the person that's at the center of this grand movement? And what do I find when I find him I want us to notice here in Philippians that we find one who was unique in his purpose. Look with me at verse number 8. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The purpose of Christ's coming was decided upon before the creation of this planet that you and I call home. Scripture tells us that before the foundations of the world, the plan of redemption was in place. His purpose was outlined. 
Prophets prophesied about his purpose. The nation of Israel dreamed of his purpose being fulfilled. But what blesses my heart this afternoon is the fact that while our Savior knew all of this, while he understood the plan and while he understood the prophecies, he was still willing to come and to suffer the horrors of the cross. And our passage of scripture this afternoon tells us that he was obedient even to the death on the cross. In Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, it gives us another picture of, of what he was coming for in his purpose. It tells us that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. He didn't come to sit on a throne and invite those who had a need to come to him. No, when he came, he came and he dwelt among us. He came and he walked the same pathways that others people walk. And when he came, he came and he lived among his people. Looking for those who needed him, looking for those who were outcasts, looking for the rejects of society, the prostitutes and the liars and the cheaters were all included in the list of those that our Savior came to rescue. In that wonderful passage in Luke chapter 15, we have a portrait painted for us of one who is seeking for the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son. That's his purpose, to seek and to save that which was lost. But his purpose didn't end when the Bible ended. He is still about his purpose today. Scripture is clear that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And with this purpose still being played out... He reached into a farmer's home in New Jersey and he sent a common worker by the name of Tom and Tom shared the purpose of the suffering servant and that ordinary farmhouse was turned into a house that was filled with God and as a result of that, my grandmother learned about Jesus and his mighty purpose started working and playing out in my family. But it didn't end with my grandparents his purpose reached out to my parents and he established them and he changed them and he made new creatures out of them in Christ Jesus. But I thank God that it didn't end with my grandparents and my parents, but that same purpose reached out to a teenager who was running away from God and he transformed my life by his power divine. And friends, I'm here as a testament of God's grace and how God can reach and change and transform one who is headed down the wrong road. Yesterday is... We traveled north on Interstate 75. We got just north of Cincinnati. And I got tears in my eyes as I recalled. I was heading southbound on 75 and I pointed out to my little boy, Scott. I said, Scott, right there is where God came into my heart. That's where God came into my life. That's where he transformed me. That's when he made me a new man in Jesus. Praise his wonderful name. I'm so thankful that that purpose is still being played out though today. While that happened to me a few years ago, he is still seeking, he is still longing, he is still reaching into the darkness of sin to redeem mankind. He is unique in his purpose. His purpose is glorious, but I want us to understand that his purpose is also unique, meaning that it cannot be copied. There are many who have tried to replicate it. For instance, 
other religious leaders say, follow me and I will show you how to find the truth. But Jesus said, I am the truth. Other religious leaders say, follow me and I'll show you the way to salvation. Jesus says, I am the way to eternal life. Other religious leaders say, follow me and I'll show you how to be enlightened. Jesus said, no, I am the light of the world. Other religious leaders say, follow me and I'll show you a door that leads to God. And Jesus says, no, I am the door. Other religious leaders say, choose a God and you'll make it to heaven. It doesn't matter. But the word of God is clear. There is no other name given among men whereby we can be saved. And that's the precious name of Jesus. He's unique in his purpose. He was the only Savior of mankind. He is the only Savior of mankind and he will be the only Savior of man. He is unique in his purpose. But I also want us to notice this afternoon that he is unique in his power. Look again at Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 10 that at the name of Jesus some translate it this way, at before the name of Jesus, or some others even say, in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, of things in earth, and things under the earth. He is unique in his power. This power was demonstrated in his creative abilities. John in chapter 1 verses 1 through 3 tells us that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God and all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. Do you hear the words of scripture this afternoon? He's unique in his creation. Now, I'm not very creative, I have to admit. I can generally fix things when they are broken. I have enough mechanical knowledge that if a part needs replaced on a, a vehicle, I perhaps can even replace that. But when it comes to creating something, I, I fall woefully short. There's a man in Hope Sound who is a part of our church that is very creative. That's what his job is. In fact, he's paid to create things. He's paid to invent things. And he does. He's always telling me about some new product. He's always telling me about something that he's created for the industry that he's in. And I have to scratch my head and I marvel at his ability to create things. But as I look around this world, Steve's inventions are nothing compared to the creative power of our God. Last night, I looked out the hotel windows and I saw stars in the heavens and I saw a beautiful landscape being stretched out below and I had to step back and say, our God created this. Look at the trees that grow. Look at the rippling brooks around us. Look at the rain that falls. Man cannot create anything close to what he created. It's unique in his power to create. He's unique in his power to convict. We read in our passage that every knee will bow. I have met some pretty hard people in my life. I've, I've tried to share the gospel with some who have sneered. 
I was working one Sunday afternoon alongside of the pastor of the Vine Street Mission in Cincinnati when I came up to an individual and I tried to evangelize him. He didn't like it, and I remember... I remember when I talked to them that I noticed he balled up his fist and he started to swing and I stepped back and stepped off the curb and he swung right over my head and he missed me, thank God. I've had doors slammed in my face. I've witnessed people as they have mocked God. But friends, I want you to know that there is coming a day that their knees will bow before the Creator. There is coming a day that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess him to be Lord. The hardened sinner, the arrogant father, the rebellious daughter, the hypocrite who has sat in the church seat for 20 years, they will all bow their knees and confess him to be Lord of lords and King of kings. Mr. Thorpe in 18th century Bristol found this out. Thorpe was a part of a band of men who called themselves the Hellfire Club. Their reason for existence was to mock and ridicule the work of famed evangelist George Whitfield. On one occasion, the Hellfire Club gathered at a pub for such mockery. It was Mr. Thorpe's turn to offer his brilliant imitation of this, this great preacher, and he got up to deliver a fake sermon. But he had it so well memorized that he delivered it exactly as Whitfield would have. He imitated Whitfield's tone and he imitated Whitfield's expressions and he quoted Whitfield's scriptures as he preached the word that day. And suddenly amidst the laughter, suddenly amidst the cheers and the jeers, Mr. Thorpe had to sit down because he was convicted and he was converted on the very spot. While he was involved in sneering and mocking Christ, that same Christ was pouring conviction out on his heart and on his life. And God changed him in an instant of time. He went on to become a prominent Christian leader in the city of Bristol. But in scripture, we also have examples of his convicting power. In 2 Samuel chapter 12 and Verses 1 through 14, we have the story of Nathan confronting a sinful David. Walked into the throne room and he pointed a finger at King David and confronted him. And David's response when confronted was, I have sinned. The woman at the well, Jesus reached into her world, right to the spot where her heart needed it most. And as a result of the convicting power of God, she said, can I have this water? Peter, as he preached at Pentecost, saw a great harvest of souls because of the convicting power of God. And thousands were added to the church. The Apostle Paul on his road to Damascus was confronted by the convicting power of God and the result was a transformation that shook Palestine to its core. He's powerful in his creation. He's powerful in his conviction, but he's also powerful in his cause. Who can doubt the power of his name? In Luke chapter 10, verse 17, we read about the 70 returning again 
And it tells us they returned again with joy, saying, Lord, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through your name. At his name, listen, friends, at his name, demons flee. By his name, prayers are answered. For his name, angels stand and wait to do his bidding. In the name of Jesus, kingdoms have been built and armies have been destroyed. Because of the name of Jesus, even the wind and the waves are subject to his voice. At the name of Jesus, drunks become sober and thieves become trustworthy. At the name of Jesus, drug addicts and prostitutes and murderers become model citizens. Why? Because it's the the power of his name is unique in his purpose. He is unique in his power. But I also want you to understand this afternoon that he is unique in his presence. Beginning in verse 7 of the chapter that we have been looking at this afternoon, we have the beautiful description of one who was willing to leave the throne room of heaven. We see a portrait of one who decides that he's willing to come. He's willing to walk on the paths that we walk. He's willing to dwell in homes that we dwell in. He's willing to come and live among us. Verse 7 of this passage says that he made himself of no reputation took on the form of a servant. Isaiah puts it this way in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and shall bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Matthew in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23 says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Other religions of the world teach that you have to make pilgrimages, that you have to be in specific places to experience the presence of their God. Other religions teach that you cannot experience the presence of God without giving him your life. But that's not so for the Christian. We have, listen, we have the promised presence of our Savior right now. We see this throughout Scripture. His presence has made it possible for his people to be calm in the midst of chaos, to be peaceful in the midst of persecution, to remain joyful while they were in jail. Daniel, when he was thrown into a lion's den, was able to rest. The three Hebrew children, when faced with certain death, had the courage to stand for their faith. Why? Because they had the presence of their Messiah alongside of them. Think of the dejected disciples on the road to Emmaus when the presence of God stepped onto that road with them and they got to the place where they were heading and they said, all did not our hearts burn within us. Why? Because the presence of God was alongside of them. Because the presence of God came into their lives. But it didn't stop there. His children down through the ages of time have experienced this unique 
presence. If you will let me this afternoon, I can testify to this, this presence. I have seen stormy days. I have faced heavy seas. I have seen cloudy skies. But friends, I have never had to face a stormy day. I have never had to face a heavy sea. I have never had to face a cloudy sky without the presence of my Lord. I know, I know that there is unrest all around us in this world. I know the housing market has collapsed. I know what gas costs. I paid it a bunch when I was coming here and it's expected to rise. I know there is corruption on every hand. I know there's dishonesty all around us. I know that our world is full of greed. But I also want you to know that I'm aware of the sweet presence of the one who knows the beginning from the end. And while I look around and I have many questions, he looks around and he has the answer to every problem. And I have sensed his presence standing beside of a dying saint. I have sensed his presence in the night when sleep has fled away. I have sensed his presence when all around me seems to be giving way. And I can tell you that while we don't live in a world that is absent from storms and a world that's absent from conflicts and problems and headaches, but I can promise you that right in the middle, right in the very middle, the children of God will find the promised presence of their Savior, Emmanuel, God with us. <laughs> but there's more. While we have the promised presence of the Savior walking with us, we also have that special presence of God that we experience every now and again. When God looks down into time and space and he sees one of his children going through a difficult time, and God in his sovereignty reaches down into his vast resources of just who knows what. And he pulls out a handful of just what we need. And he says, here you go. I know you're going through a hard time. I know you can't seem to see the light of day. I know that you're at your wit's end. I know sickness has corrupted your body. But I also want you to know that I'm walking life's pathway with you. And so he reaches into that bucket of who knows what. And he says, here you go, son. Here you go, daughter. You don't have to be a pastor to experience it. You don't have to have a doctorate of some kind. You don't have to have a BA in religious studies to experience this special presence of our Lord. You can be a high school dropout and still experience the wonderful provision of his presence in your life. You may be experiencing this afternoon some things that you don't understand. But just hold on. When you need it most, God will reach in and say, here you go. It may be while you're traveling down the road. It may be in a service something like this. It may be when you're having your personal devotions. It may be in a conversation with a friend. But just when you need it most, God will once more pour out his presence into your life. Praise his name. An ocean liner left a British port during World War II and headed for harbor in the U.S. Enemy ships were everywhere and the captain of this ocean liner was given secret directions charting his course. 
added to the instructions were these words, keep straight on course, turn aside for nothing. If you need help, send a message in code. After a few days at sea, the crew spotted an enemy cruiser on the horizon, and it appeared to be trailing them. The captain immediately sent a, sent a coded message saying, enemy cruiser sighted, what shall I do? The reply came from an unseen vessel, keep straight on, I'm standing by. No friendly ship could be seen, but the captain kept that liner on course until it safely reached New York Harbor. Just a few moments after it reached the harbor, a British submarine glided quietly into the same port. And although it had been out of sight the entire journey, it had been present the entire time. Friends, you may feel like you're out on life's ocean and you're all alone. You may feel like you're fighting life's battles all by yourself. You may feel like you're the only one who is standing for truth in this wicked generation that we're living in. But I want you to know we have the promised presence of our Messiah. We have the one who said, I am Emmanuel. I am going to be with my people. <laughs> I don't know about you. But every now and then I need, to, need, I need to be reminded of what I have when I have Jesus. Every now and then I need to be reminded that we have a Christ who was willing to come. He was unique in his purpose. I'm so glad that he was willing to come. But I'm also glad that he has the power to work in every single situation. I'm thankful for his purpose and his power but I'm also thankful for his presence. No, I'm not alone, never alone. Jesus is walking life's pathway with me. Bless his name. I don't want to take for granted the heritage of holiness that has been passed on. I don't want to lose the fight. Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit, a ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention, featuring Wesleyan voices past and present. For more sermons or for more information, visit www.ihconvention.com. This ministry is made possible through the financial support of our listeners. You may give online at ihconvention.com or send your donation to IHC, Post Office Box 99, New Berlin, Pennsylvania, 17855 USA. Oh